You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Julie Severino. Julie, thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. Julie, we're going to talk about your show at Anna Zarina called Turn On, Tune In, Drop Out. And I, I really love these works, and I'm looking forward to talking to you about them. Uh, let's begin with the title of the show, because in, in one one sense, it's really sort of self-evident, this turn on, tune in, drop out. But it's it's also um, a phrase that, that's, that's been used in the 60s to mean something... Uh, of its own then what are your thoughts about the title of the show and and the reason you used it yeah so I had heard about uh, Timothy Leary on a podcast I was listening to and I heard his famous mantra turn on tune in and drop out and I just loved it Um, the phrase was a call for people to drop out of mainstream consumer culture and rather tune into themselves with emphasis on introspection and internal freedom, solutions, and, you know, it really just stuck with me because I've always been somewhat defiant and always questioning. So, yeah, it really resonated with me when I had learned about it. So let's go through some of the paintings. There's one called Abundance and Light, which I really love and um, gave me the feeling of the title being about kind of... uh, complete sort of, um, I don't know, kind of removing yourself from the world, a total relaxation, but there's something really wonderful and and has a sense of humor to this. Abundance and light, there's, it looks like two hammocks with, you know, body parts reaching out and toes intertwining. Um, I love this. It's it's like a vacation I've never been on, (laughs) but I would love to be on that kind of vacation. Um, and it's hard to tell whether this is one or two people. It looks like it's two people. Um, but, yeah, can you tell me a little bit about this image? This is a, a pretty large one, too. Yeah, thank you. And, of course, um, well, I love that there's that idea of not even knowing if it's one or two people because I, I like to have that mystery and that magic uh, and allow the viewer to have their projections of what they may feel like is happening in the work. But so. This painting is representative of life because in the work, uh, in the show, each painting and each work is representative of uh, part of our life cycle. So this one is love in all forms, whether it's self-love, whether it's a love from another, a friendship, love for a memory. And, um, and the unfinished nature about the work is to depict the emptiness that we carry, the the love that could fill us in the future with time, with more experience, and, um, yeah, just how love is demonstrated in all these various forms. So I like that. So you're, you're saying that the, the show itself, and as we go through these works, they're, they're representative of different stages in life, different ages, or, um, you yeah, know, well, what do you mean by stages? So stages as in different instances, different emotions and relatable ones. So I didn't include anything that was too specific to me or to others because I wanted it to be more universal of what everyone might experience. So, you know, when you entered the gallery, it was starting with birth. And then in the last room, it was ending with death. 
So in the first room, it was paintings that, that represent uh, sin, confession, uh, birth, codependency, uh, resilience, turbulence, um, you know, feelings like that, serving others. And uh, in the next room, following towards the end, it's self-discovery, reflecting, love, and working a nine-to-five and, you know, bartering. So a lot of feelings and instances that one might go through in their life that I feel is, you know, just a part of human nature. We all, you know, we think that our lives and our feelings are so specific and unique to us, but they're really not. A lot of what we go through, we kind of have to go through and we're a lot more connected in, in ways that are deeply rooted within our human nature and our genetic code as as humans. So, and some of these paintings are are, are really enigmatic, and I mean they they all are in some ways. Though the thinking of them as stages makes it uh, a kind of clear narrative in some ways. There's one called Arising and Passing, and this is um, a landscape, but a but a really stylized beautiful and, and haunting landscape arising and passing um, in terms of what you just said in, in stages, how does, how does this one fit in? I, I really love this painting, the way the sky is done and, and, and the land, it, it, it feels kind of like uh, something mythical almost. Thank you. I really enjoyed making this painting. This painting was, a tough one to um it was one of the the fastest paintings i made process wise but it was tough to you know go through the emotions while i was painting it um i listened to joseph goldstein's um his podcast and he had brought up in one of his lectures the idea of feelings arising and passing the the moments in our lives that are arising and passing and that phrase had just stuck with me. So this one is the representation of exploration and investigation of oneself with nature and in regards to nature, letting go, a uh, deeper understanding of yourself and the feeling of impermanence. So there's a lot of coding within um, the painting as well. So there's a magic mushroom that I painted that's very, very tiny in one of the quarters and within the sky there's some writing and there's a little human that's kind of um an outline that's supposed to represent like an the emptiness of one and they're kind of melting into the mountains while sitting amongst nature and by a tree and then the earth i created a hand uh, hands are very important in my work and kind of grappling and lightly grabbing towards the human, trying to, you know, pull you one way. And then I added some other passages that that person could take and embark on in their life. So just trying to really um, demonstrate the feeling of that exploration and investigation within oneself psychologically and also quite literally with choices that we make in our lives. And. You know, to speak about like the mushroom, and we also talked at the beginning a little bit about Timothy Leary and the, and the title of the show. Um, you know, those are also 
ways, you know, both shamanistic and, and, and popular of kind of investigating or exploring some of the things that you're talking about. Is that is that something that you think about a lot or, or, or use in, in terms of of these ideas of, of self and stages? Because it, it to me it relates to a lot of that, these kind of uh ways that that we might think, um, you know, when when using psychedelics, for lack of a better word, but mushrooms, LSD, things that are... are um, That turn you on. Are, yeah, that turn you on, right, and tune you in. Right? <laughs> turn on, tune in, drop out. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, so, I do think about it. I think about it probably too much daily. It's haunting. Um, I read Timothy Leary's book actually after I had found out about the mantra and completely consumed it and I can't say that I agree you know with everything but I really just love the idea of you know awakening oneself and um, you know feeling freedom finding internal freedom finding solutions that are best for yourself I like I said before um, the defiant nature that I've always had within I you know, I always just felt like I wasn't great with authority or I just had too many opinions. But now I just think, you know, the way that we're taught to be and that we're supposed to be just never really resonated with me. Because I think that we're way too precious and interesting and special and creative to be suppressed. And I think a lot of how, a lot of how we live and what we're learned and taught is a form of suppression. So I just, you know, really resonate with this mantra and these ideals and philosophies of, you know, not even being so specific to what he is saying that we should do, because I think he is a little bit more on the extremist side. But I think that there, everyone should go through the stage of questioning and finding, who, finding out who they are and that self-discovery. It's really important, I mm. think. It's also the role of the arts, or could be the role of the arts in general, right? To kind of push back against authority, against um, norms, against the kind of suppression that, yeah, as you say, we've all grown up with, the kind of brainwashing, really, that we've all grown up with based on gender and, and all kinds of things. Yeah, of course. Um yeah, I think it, it starts at a really young age. And there's a painting that I have in the show called Dogma and G's Resistance. And it's a painting I love dearly for many reasons. Um, my niece, Gianna, is the baby in the painting. And I actually it's a picture of a baby that's being fed a bottle um, of milk. And she's, you know, flicking off the viewer. So this painting is the representative of birth, but also what is imprinted on us, what is taught, what is forced upon us by others, whether that's beliefs, behaviors, ideologies. And the resistance aspect is important for me because it's to demonstrate to not lose sight of one's resistance and not lose sight of the questioning and, you know, figuring out like what feels right for you and not allowing too much of what's forced upon us to just completely imprint us and shape us 
because then we just become photocopies, I think, of our family and our friends and what we see. And think about your earliest memories of, I'm a huge movie buff and I watched so many uh, movies and shows when I was younger. And, you know, I didn't realize that when I got older, a lot of my humor and a lot of the way that I was acting was based on what I had consumed. So that's, you know, it's these impressions that we're really not aware of until you really think about it and until you question, like, why why am I this way? Why do I speak this way? Why do I even move my body in this way? And usually there's always a correlation in uh, the root where you can find out whether that's, you know, influence from family, friends, society. And it's, it's difficult to, you know, become aware of it and then be mindful of trying to, you know, become selfless, like releasing parts of self and just being, just being present. Yeah, it sure is. And that's, that's, that's fascinating because, yeah, I certainly have memories of myself doing that consciously and, and I suppose unconsciously many times, but seeing a character in a movie or a friend or family member and I think, oh, I want to you know, look like that. I want to have that gesture and then I do. Um, and, and, and there's a, a sculpture in here too called Reflect. Um, is is that in part what that's about? This is, of course, uh, unlike the paintings, it's a sculpture that contains a broken mirror, but also has a number of other elements in it, floral elements and what look like hands as well. Yeah, so this sculpture is representative of what's obvious, the reflection part of life. And with with reflecting on yourself and of your life, there's a lot of sacrifice and shedding parts of yourself so that you can achieve the growth. So because the sculpture is of you standing in front of it while there's hands that are representative of you holding a tray that has broken pieces of glass, of the glass that you're looking in, it's kind of, it's confusing, but it's it's supposed to demonstrate the continuous energy, which is you. So we are continuous energy and when we reflect, we cultivate, we transform, then we express who we want to be or what we want to be. So it's a, you know, uh, a never-ending process of energy and of reflecting and of growth because it, it never ends. It will always be continuous and who you were five years ago is not who you are today and who you are today will not be who you are 10 years from now. So... I think it is important to sometimes, you know, some things have to break for new things to be. I like that so much. You know, these these paintings and these these works, the sculpture we were just talking about, are. Um, I, I interview a lot of artists, and you know, often people are talking about you know their story, their narrative, or something else is going on. These works seem to me uh, to be about something that's that's interactive right there's um uh, there's a response there's there's almost something that the the viewer or the owner or the collector continues to get from these works right as i mean as opposed to uh you know what could be gorgeous paintings but they're 
um, maybe in part decorative, maybe they have a narrative to them. But these are, to me, the way you're talking about them and, and we're discussing them seems that they're, they all kind of create an opening for the viewer to, to reflect and, and literally grow from that, that it's, that they're uh, not, not, I don't want to say teaching tools, but, but almost in the sense that they're opening the doors to what um, can be reflected on by the viewer and, and learn from in a, in a, in a deeply personal way or, or is that too much of a stretch there? No, it, you're absolutely right. It was my intention, and it was what I had hoped what would happen, because when I first started this show, I um, I promised myself that I would not focus too much on the technical, because I realized, even in grad school, the actual painting process with, like, composition, um, aesthetics, things like that. I, it was never really as important to me as the messaging and also the therapy and the meditation that I felt when making the work. So with the intention of this, I really wanted the viewer to feel so much of their own projection. So when I was making the work, um, I made it in a short period of time as well. I made it in three and a half months and I felt like I was going reliving certain stages of my own life. And I did want it to be immersive. Um, that's why I also included poetry. And um, I recorded my own voice so that whoever had gone to the show could take the book of the poetry, read it, but also listen to my words so they can hear my intention. And they can have some insights into maybe if they didn't know um, which what sculpture or what painting was about. They had these little clues. And I, of course, want all of my work to be immersive. And I always encourage people to sit with it. You can touch it. You can ask any question and you can feel whatever you feel. I'm also not, you know, too rigid on my belief of what the painting is about. I love to hear what others think and what they project on it because your meaning from what you get out of the life cycle is true. It's not, once it's in the room and in the gallery, it's not my life cycle anymore. It becomes everyone's. I like that. And and so to talk about one more, since you're talking about poetry too, prayers through poetry, um, tell me about that because, of course, yeah, there's poetry with the exhibition and um and this one seems very special. It has gold leaf in it and among other materials. Um, yeah, the relationship either of poetry to the work or of, of poetry in, in this work. Yeah, so this painting is the representation of sin and questioning of a higher power. I had trouble with um, trying to depict some of the feelings because I didn't want things to be too obvious and I didn't want to be too specific on, you know, my sinful actions. Um, so for this one it was actually inspired by a song that a friend had showed me and um, I wanted to depict an image that was captivating and beautiful and something so powerful that you couldn't help but look away. Uh, much like engaging in sin sinful activities. It's like it's overcoming, it's too powerful, it's overbearing, it's 
something that you just can't help. And it's like with this exploding, massive, beautiful, intoxicating sunset is you just can't help but look at it and just stare at it. And, and of course, part of this is you're saying, you know, there's there's poems that are part of the exhibit. There's audio tracks that um, that, that viewers and, and listeners can hear, right? There'll be links to it here in this interview so people can can hear these tracks. But there's several that you've made just for this show that people can hear still online. And, um, and they're meant to be intimately part of, of each work. Is, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And yeah, it was in, it's important for me to include um the my writing and the work. Um I think it offers something that my hand can't and maybe my voice can because I don't think everyone feels the same about visual art and maybe reading something or hearing something evokes something different within. So and I've always attempted to write poetry and writing has always been extremely important with my process so uh, a lot of the poems that I wrote for this show um, some were uh, loosely uh, based ideas from past work or just reoccurring themes and I was able to you know clean them up a little bit to have them make more sense for some of the specific pieces for this show well, thank you, and I, I hope that you know listeners to this interview um, check the link so they can hear your voice and see these works. I I, I want to ask you one more question before we go, and uh, it's a little off topic, but I'm always curious what everybody's reading. What are you reading at the moment? Um, so I read similarly to how I work on my art and my writing. I read a bunch of things at once. I'm always reading poetry, Langston Hughes's a huge favorite and inspiration of mine. Um, so I'm always reading his poetry. I'm reading The Quantum Human by Karen Parker, um, A Universe from Nothing and Signs. And both of those books uh, are about the universe, so questions about the universe, future theory, and then Signs is about the signs um, we receive from the universe, how to interact with those, and what are the takeaways. So kind of research also for my next show. I like to read things that, you know, offer the same kind of guidance or information so that it can inform whatever I'm doing at the moment. Well, thank you so much, Julie. I want to thank you for talking with me today and for putting together this beautiful show. And I hope the listeners are checking out not only the images here, but your um, your audio tracks. Julie, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I enjoyed talking with you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. <laughs> 